not something that you just get and you live with. Every day you have to choose humility. You have to choose to see yourself the way God sees you and to treat others given that reality. The humble person is not a false sense of humility. It's the reality that they are finite. It's the reality that they are dependent upon God and other people and that sometimes we get it wrong. Every day we have responsibilities and obligations that need to be taken care of. Sometimes it's drudgery, sometimes it's fun, but the way we approach all these things in life is a choice. Today, Pastor Daniel will teach from Proverbs, which speaks about how living in a godly way will bear a completely different result than acting selfishly. You could accomplish a task in a variety of ways, but only one will reflect the heart of the Father. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message entitled, Soundbites. Gossip, it says here, is like tasty trifles. Now, you guys know me well enough at this point to know that I like food. I'm a fan of food. It tastes yummy. And when I hear tasty trifles... I get kind of excited because you know when somebody shows up and they got tasty trifles, you just can't wait. I was like, we were, we were, we were at our church picnic and a sweet sister named Edna, she brought baklava. Now, if you don't know what baklava is, don't worry about it. I don't want you to know it because it's all for me. <laughs> but it's this great. And she's like, Pastor Daniel, I have baklava for you. I'm like, woo. She's like, I'll hold it for you. I'm like, whatever you do, don't give it to my wife because I don't want to share it with my kids. And they started laughing. But the, the idea of something that's tasty is it's, it's delicious, right? Gossip is like that. See, there's something in the brokenness of humanity that when we hear somebody talking about somebody, we, our ears always perk up. I got to know. Ooh, I wonder what's going on. But what happens is, is it goes on down into your inward parts, and it is retained. And remember, it's just like those tasty trifles, Right? When was the last time you ate a healthy, tasty trifle? Exactly. Everyone's just like, right? The problem with something that's tasty is it's normally full of sugar and butter, and it gets on down in there, and once it's in there, guess what? It don't, you can't get it out. It takes way more work to get rid of the calories from the yummy donut than it does to Put the yummy donut in there. We all know that that's the way that it goes, right? And so in some ways, gossip, it's the perfect picture of gossip because there's that part of you that you really just want to eat that double rich chocolate mousse layer cake with cream cheese icing. Like, you want that thing, right? Like, you're just like, I got to eat that. But once it's in there, guess what? You can do double time on the treadmill. It's still going to pack on the pounds, right? That's kind of how it goes. And gossip is the same thing. You want that thing, but once you get it, you're stuck with it now. It becomes part of you. And gossip is murder with words. That's what it is. That's how it works. 
So it's a tasty trail. It's something that you want. But when it gets in there, it stays with you. It's a problem. And then verse 9, the last one. He who is slothful in his work is a brother to him who is a great destroyer. And so the idea is that whatever your work is, my friend, you need to get at that work with all of your might. You can't just slack off. Now, I realize we live in a slacker kind of a culture. But God's word should be the culture that drives whatever culture we live in. And our Bibles talk a whole lot about the work that we do and how we do that work. That we do it as unto the Lord and not unto your boss as a people pleaser. You, you work as unto God and God looks upon our work. But too many of us, we're doing a great job of just slacking off. And the Bible says it's foolishness. I mean, look what it says. He who is slothful in his work is a brother to him who is a great what? Destroyer. Yeah, good family, right? Look what happens, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. The rich man's wealth is his strong city, and like a high wall is his own esteem. So verses 10 and 11 give us our next point, and that is that we need to find strength. Find strength. Now, you don't need to really guess what the hand motion is. I just want you all to be flexing. Go ahead, flex. Go ahead. Come on. Uh, you gotta love bodybuilders like uh, who wants to flex like that don't pull a muscle go on flex find strength let me see it I had a friend like that in high school like we were all playing sports and stuff and my one buddy in the weight room man he was the guy who was like come on one more and I was just like dude you're freaking me out man and I become that guy. How does this all happen? We need to find strength. Where do we find strength? The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run to it and are what? Safe. Brothers and sisters, listen. You need to find strength, and the strength is not from you doing an extra round of resistance training in the gym, although it may be. It's not from having more money in your bank account, although that may be a benefit. Your strength comes from the Lord because he is a strong tower, and those who believe in him, the righteous, they run into him, and they are safe because God is all-powerful. And we have to make sure that we remember where our true strength is. We are too apt to trust in our own resources, our own intellect, to trust in the blessings of living in the generation we live in, in the country we live in. But our true strength is in the Lord. And we need to find ourselves hiding out in God's house, because that's where safety is. Every single human being at some point in their life comes to the end of their resources. People all the time, they say to me, oh, yeah, you know, like, it makes sense that people believe in God because when everything else fails, you need God. I'm like, yeah, but you know why people do that? Because everything else fails. People say, oh, well, believing in Jesus is a crutch. I'm like, look, you need a crutch when you have a broken leg or a broken life. 
And at some point, every person realizes, I'm at the end of the strength that I have. I'm at the end of my resources. I'm at the end of the medical care. I'm at the end of my intellect. My body is breaking down. At some point, every human being comes to terms with the fact that they are at the end of what they have. And at that juncture, the righteous people realize that all their strength is in the Lord. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we derive our strength from his strength. We need to find strength in the Lord. Now, I love it. It says, in the name of the Lord. Now, you guys know this. I've shared this with you before. But the name of the Lord is not like his, the letters in his name. Orthodox Judaism will tell you that you can't say the name of the Lord, that God's personal name, the I am who I am, it's four letters in your Hebrew Bible, uh, Yud, a He, a Vuv, and a He in Hebrew, or a Y-H-W-H in English. Right? They say, you can't say God's name. No, the name literally means the entire nature. Let me, I'll give you a perfect example. Imagine someone said Daniel Fusco, right? That's my name. Do you think, oh, yeah, D-A-N-I-E-L-F-U-S-C-O, and bingo was his name. <laughs> when you think Daniel Fusco, you think of, for better or for worse, kind of hairy, a little short. But that's what you think of. When you think of a person's name, you don't think of the letters in your name. You think of their entire nature. And when it says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower, we don't want to over-literalize it to say, oh, I have to make sure I don't say God's personal name. But it's no, the entire revealed nature of who God is, that's where the strength is because that's who God really is. And you and I, we find strength when we realize the strength is in the Lord. And it is not a sin to retreat into the courts and the house of the Lord. That's not weakness. Listen, any of you who've studied the history of wars, you realize that sometimes the wisest thing to do is retreat. You know that, right? No, it's not wisdom or even bravery to stand up and be killed when you could retreat and live to fight another day. You know that, right? Sometimes we have this idea that being martyred on our own timetable is God's wisdom. It's not. See, the person who finds real strength realizes that you have to retreat into the house of the Lord. You have to retreat into the presence of God. That's where your strength comes from. I think for too many of us, we're trying to show ourselves strong in our own flesh, and we never retreat into the presence of God. And for those of us who have tried that, I know I surely have. It's a fool's errand because at some point you break down because you're human and you weren't designed to be all-powerful. So we find our strength in the Lord. Now, what's interesting is that in verse 11, you end up finding the idea of this, a person's wealth. And really what we're seeing here is we're seeing this contrast between true and false security. Oftentimes for the wealthy person, a rich man's wealth is his strong city, and like a high wall, is his own esteem. Too many of us, we trust in false security, which is finances, your ideas of your wealth. I remember when the economy crashed, one of the richest men in Germany walked in front of a train and killed, committed suicide. You might think, one of the richest men. But when your security proves itself to be insecure, that's a quite disconcerting situation, isn't it? And so don't ever think that your wealth is your strong city. It may seem like it is, 
but we already learned the name of the Lord is a strong tower. See, there's an intentional contrast here. In the physical world, you might think that your wealth will keep you secure, but it won't. Only the Lord will. So we find strength. Go ahead, flex for me. So we got our two. Foolishness what? Big on. Find strength. <clears throat> Good. Now I'm going to be honest. The next one, this one is my favorite. This is my favorite. It's so good. <laughs> Look at verse 12. Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty, and before honor is humility. He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. The spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? The heart of the prudent acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Now, I like to call this taking care of business. And for this one, I got taking care of business. Go ahead, do it. Ready, you guys got it? Taking care of business every day. Keep going. Taking care of business every... See, even if you don't like classic rock, that's BTO for those of you who remember. Bachman Turner Overdrive, right? Yeah, all of people are like, yeah! Even if you don't know the song, it's just like... So I like to use the phrase taking care of business because when I talk with Obadiah and Maranatha as they're growing up, I always, I always tell them you got to take care of your business. It's like a, a common theme. Your business is your life. So I'm always like, buddy, you need to be taking care of business. So it's like, oh, taking care of business. I'm like, yeah, like making my bed, yep. Brushing my teeth, yep. Helping mom, yep. Not making my sister cry, exactly. Take, okay? So taking care of business. All of these God's tweets, all of these little sound bites are a reminder of how do we take care of our business every day, right? Notice verse 12. Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty and before honor is humility. So we Take care of our business by being humble. And you have to do it every day. Humility is not something that you just get and you live with. Every day you have to choose humility. You have to choose to see yourself the way God sees you and to treat others given that reality. The humble person is not a false sense of humility. It's the reality that they are finite. It's the reality that they are dependent upon God and other people, and that sometimes we get it wrong. So we take care of our business when we are humble. The alternative to humility is haughtiness, which happens before destruction. Verse 13, another way we take care of our business, he who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. Now, this speaks about speaking too hastily. Poor listening reveals that a person isn't humble. So we have to be careful not to answer a matter too quickly until we understand all that's involved. Now, the problem with this teaching is, is that all of us at some point have to make decisions given imperfect information, and everybody assumes they understand the whole story, which makes it quite unique. But the teaching, and this is so good, isn't it? It's so rubber meets the road that don't answer a matter before they hear it. 
And if you do, it's folly and a shame for you. What it means is that if you don't know something, simply say, I don't know, right? That's biblical wisdom. Because if you jump into something too quickly without all the information, you're going to make a bad decision. And can we just admit all of us have done that, right? You just think you know what's going down, and you just move into action without getting the whole story. There's an old saying that there's three sides to every story. The story of the person on each side of the situation and then what God sees to be true. And most of us just hear one side and we just jump into action without trying to get the whole story. And so it's a great reminder that one of the ways that we take care of business is to listen and hear all the sides before we make a judgment call on what something is. And what's challenging about it is oftentimes we never want to say that we don't know everything about everything, right? We don't want to pretend that we don't have all the information. We just assume that we get it. So one of the ways that we take care of business is to hear a matter fully before speaking on it. Verse 14, the spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? Now, really this is speaking about not clinical issues, psychological issues, but this is speaking about the idea of having a healthy attitude. That's what this verse is really speaking about. The idea is that when somebody has a healthy attitude for life, it will sustain you in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? See, if you're short of resources outwardly, life can be difficult, but if you're short of them inwardly, life is insupportable. It's a great way to look at it. If you have, a limited, if you have limited external resources, things will be challenging, but if you have limited internal resources, life is almost impossible to live. And again, that's why we went back to finding strength in the Lord. See, all of us hit a point where our internal resources are insufficient. And when you do that, that's when you say, if you haven't said already, I need to believe in the Lord. I know for me, my internal lack of resources was revealed when my mother died of cancer. At that juncture, I realized that the resources that I had, all of the positivity that I've always been a more positive person, the joy, the fun, all this stuff, I didn't have what could sustain me. I was bankrupt. It was so far beyond what I could handle. And then I realized I, something's missing. Now, I wasn't looking for Jesus at that time, but I'm like, I need something that will undergird my life. And I went on a long search and it was only when I met Jesus that I realized that Jesus has inexhaustible internal resources for us. And so you have to ask yourself, how's your attitude doing? With what's in your control, how is your outlook on life? What are you doing with your life? And I think it's really easy to just have a negative view of the world and it'll make your life harder. I remember one time reading, and I don't know if it was substantiated or not, but that 80% of physical illness is mental. That so much of it is, it's based on how we think and how we feel. Now, again, I don't know if how they, I also realize that 87.4% of all statistics are made up on the spot, just like that one. But I don't know how you research that, but it made a lot of sense that so often your outlook on life determines a lot of other things. 
I remember when I was playing sports, they used to say, 90% of the game is in between your ears. The other 10% is in your body. So make sure you get your mental game right. And don't miss the fact, you might say, oh, well, Fusco, that's like some kind of new agey light stuff. No, no, we have to take all of our thoughts into captivity to what? To the obedience of Christ. Our thought lives matter. And so how's your attitude? One of the ways we take care of business is we make sure we have a healthy attitude that can sustain you. And the best way to make sure you have a healthy attitude is to read your Bible and to walk with the Lord because what happens when you walk with the Lord and you have a a lousy attitude, the Spirit of God says, you know, you are having a lousy attitude. (laughs) And your countenance is not reflecting the finished work of Jesus or my presence in your life. The fruit of my spirit is joy and love and kindness and peace. And you're like, you're being none of those right now. See, getting into God's word makes us view the world from a different place. I don't know how many times maybe me and Lynn had a disagreement, which for those of you women who are in women's ministry, you realize that when me and Lynn have a disagreement, the issue is always on my side of the fence. You know this. Right? And so it's like when I have any disagreement and I go into my quiet time and I'm like, okay, Lord, you know, like you need to speak to your daughter because, and the Lord, you know, and I, I can say that out loud because I know all of us go into our quiet times like that at some time or another, right? You go and be like, Lord, you need to fix them. You don't I mean, Lord, come on. They're your kid, Lord, you know, like you go in like that and then all of a sudden the Lord's like, Daniel, where's the grace? Where's the patience? Where's the love? Oh, and where's the humility to realize that you're really the one who's got the problems? See, that's what happens when you walk with the Lord. He checks you. That's what he does. He loves us too much to keep us that way. He says, listen, I don't want you to stay that way. I want you to do something different. I want to change you. That's how we take care of business. And then all of a sudden, our attitude changes. It totally changes. It's beautiful. Notice verse 15. The heart of the prudent acquires knowledge, and the ears of the wise seeks knowledge. So one of the ways we can take care of business is to acquire and seek after knowledge, good information. And the wisdom is the ability to apply that information. Verse 16, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. This verse was really important to me because when I first felt called into ministry, I talked to a pastor and I said, I feel called into ministry. What do I do? And he quoted me this verse. So let me pray for you. A man's gift will make room for them and bring them before great men. Powerful reality. That one of the ways we can take care of business is when you allow your gifts to make room for you and you steward them well, and you allow God to do what he wants to do with them. I was talking with a really long-term pastor one time, and I was just asking as a younger pastor, I said, you know, so how'd you do it? How'd you get here? And he said, you know, Sometimes the winner is just the last person standing. Such a power, like, it was such like a simple thing to say. But the guy had been in ministry for 40 years. He didn't quit. He didn't give up. He didn't stop. He just kept going. That's stewarding the gifts that God has given you. I think for some of you right now, I think about it with marriage. I think for some of you who are married, marriage is hard. And you could come up with infinite reasons to throw in the towel, except the Lord would say, you made a commitment to it for life. Jesus is real. 
Acting wisely, seeking knowledge. Today, we heard how choosing humility brings blessing and nurtures interactions with others. We heard some great biblical wisdom, like how to admit that we don't know something instead of moving ahead with misinformation. Every morning, most of us do the same thing. We get up and push the button on the most important appliance in our house, the coffee maker. (laughs) A hot, steamy cup of coffee magically appears. We get our day started. This month, we want to be a part of that morning ritual. We always like to say thank you to those that choose to support Jesus is Real Radio. This month, for anyone who gives a donation of any amount, plus shipping and handling, to Jesus is Real Radio, well, we'll send you a Jesus is Real Radio coffee mug. Every morning, you can fill up your Jesus is Real Radio coffee mug and remember to pray for us. We want to see God do amazing things through Jesus is Real Radio and you can help. Check out JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the partner option to receive your own Jesus is Real Radio coffee mug. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will conclude this message with encouragement to us about accepting God's will, even when we don't understand. We'll hear more about how to live with wisdom and humility. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series entitled God's Tweets. Until then, may God bless.